0: Welcome to Not A Christian Podcast. It's not a Christian podcast. It's a podcast that just happens to be Christian. In this podcast, we tell stories, we talk about life, faith, and pretty much anything else you can imagine. Now let's jump into it. Welcome back to Not A Christian Podcast. This is episode four, Glad you chose to join me today. This is going to be a good, good episode, y'all. I'm excited about it because today is Friday, October 30th. And if you know anything about October, you know that October 31st is Halloween. So today we have a special Halloween edition of Not A Christian Podcast. So let's settle in. Let's get spooky. But before we get to that, let's just do some pre-show ban. First of all, I just want to let you guys know that I am not okay. <laughs> okay, that was a little bit of an overly dramatic way to state this, but here, here's my issue. We're gonna have an episode, uh, probably sometime around the new year, about music, and I'm gonna get into depth on this a little bit more. But over the past year, year and a half, maybe even two years, there has been a shift in the way that I listen to music. I've pointed out on this show before that music is is one of my favorite things in the world, which is kind of weird because I'm not a musically gifted person. I can't sing, I don't know how to play any instruments, but listening to music is one of my favorite hobbies, one of the things I love to do most and discover new music. And a couple of Christmases ago, I got a record player for Christmas. And since then, I've been collecting records. And this this is a super hipster thing for me to say. But I've, I've come to terms with who I am. I am a hipster. I've expressed this on social media in the not-too-distant past. This is just who I am, and I'm willing to admit it. And whatever flack comes with that, whatever things come with the trade, I'm ready to embrace that. I am a hipster, okay? You heard it right here on the show. But the biggest thing that collecting vinyl records for me has done is that it's made me appreciate musical albums, more than just singles. So when you're listening to a record, you can skip to a song, but it takes effort. You have to lift the needle, and you have to go to your specific song, and you don't want to just do that from song to song. So there is no shuffle of a playlist, and there's no picking and choosing which songs of an album you want to listen to. You just put the record on, hit play, and drop the needle, and it takes you through the whole album. Then you flip it over to hear the second half of the album. And the the thing that is done for me the most is that I appreciate more the idea of an actual album. The, The fact that an artist, a musical artist, took the time to kind of just create this work of art that is more than the sum of its parts if that makes sense. So yes, albums have some songs that are better than the rest. And they have a couple of high moments, maybe even a couple of songs you you don't care for as much, but the thing is when all those singles, all those different individual songs come together to make an album, I think listening to that in order, uninterrupted, is kind of the way that music is supposed to be. And I love listening to full albums. And because of that, I have stopped listening especially when my favorite artists release new singles before the album, whether it be a couple months before the album or even six or eight months before the album, I've stopped listening to singles as they come out because I want to wait and listen to the entire thing. I want to listen to the album in its entirety in the way that it was meant by the artist to be listened to. And today's climate of streaming music has definitely made singles a lot more popular than they used to be. And, and, and We'll get into that at a later episode, but artists artists basically release sometimes up to half of their album in singles before the actual album comes out, and I just don't like listening to those isolated by themselves, and then when the whole album comes out, it seems like I'm already kind of familiar with half of it, but not with the rest of it. So what I started doing, I think it was about two years ago, I think John Bellion's last album, Glory Sound Prep, when that album came out, I didn't listen to any of the singles ahead of time, and it greatly enhanced my appreciation for that album in its entirety. And as far as this year goes, I've had a couple of my favorite artists, John Mark McMillan and Need to Breathe, have both released albums. And ahead of time, I didn't listen to any of the singles because I knew that I wanted to listen to the albums in their entirety. And the thing is, I don't regret that at all. Because listening to those albums as a full work of art just enhances it so much. And the reason why I opened this segment up with saying I'm not okay, obviously a joke, I'm fine, is because I knew that there would come a day where I would get the ultimate test of how committed am I to waiting to listen to singles until the album comes out. And that time is now, my friends, because I mentioned him on last week's episode. I'm going to talk about him again. So welcome to the Matt Carney Podcast. (laughs) <laughs> let's get him on the show, like for real. If anybody has any connections, you want to tweet at him, let him know about the show, get him on the show. <laughs> so really, I knew that one day, because last time Matt Carney released an album, uh, he released, he started releasing singles in 2017. The album came out in May of 2018, and I hadn't done this yet. I was still listening to singles back then. And I knew when, when Matt Carney started releasing singles on whenever his next album was going to be, it was going to be really, really difficult for me to resist. and that that time is now and so far so he released it last friday he released a single called grand canyon i have not listened to it have not looked up the lyrics and it's absolutely killing me to know that there is new matt carney music out here in this world that people are enjoying but i haven't listened to it yet and and it's it's really it's a temptation every single day that i'm having to fight to listen to that song you know, when, when John Mark McMillan, Need to Breathe, John Bellion, when those guys were coming out with their singles, it was very difficult for me to not listen. But I knew in the end it would be worth it. But this is even more difficult because Matt Carney is my absolute favorite. And a thought that's run through my head is like, well, what if I die before the album comes out? Uh, but I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. So I'm going to try. I'm, I'm doing my best to, to resist. I'm doing my best to not listen to that new single or any of the subsequent singles he's going to release before the album he hasn't come out with a release date for the entire album yet and until then it's going to it's going to be a long few months it's going to be a long few months so say a prayer for me as i'm trying to resist listening and to kind of shift gears a little bit i got to thinking about last week's episode we talked about the months of the year and you you may remember i didn't like the colder months and if you live in texas you know that this past week it started to get cold which was very uncharacteristic for late october but out here in Alpine, West Texas, we got snow, sleet, got some ice. The The university had delayed starts for two days in a row, and it got pretty cold. And let me tell you, last week there were a couple of things I forgot to rant about. So if I may, I'm going to extend my rant about cold weather here for just a minute or two. Okay, so get ready. First of all, time change is coming up this upcoming Sunday. All right, so if you're listening to this on Friday or Saturday, I would tell you don't forget to set your clocks Uh, it's spring for fall back. Don't forget to set your clocks back. But let's be real, all of us use cell phones for our clocks, for our alarm clocks. So you're not gonna forget. It's gonna automatically do it for you. But that's beside the point because in the winter months, particularly November, December, January, it gets dark super early. First of all, time change is so, so stupid. It's not even necessary anymore, okay? There's no reason why we should do this time change and make it get dark at like 5 p.m. Because who likes getting off work at 5 p.m. and it's already dark? Okay, so that's another, just another issue with winter months. Also, like I mentioned, we got some snow and ice here in Alpine, Texas. And when I went out to drive to work on, you know, two mornings in a row, Tuesday morning and Wednesday morning, I get out there. And, of course, there's ice all over my windows. There's ice all over my windshield. And... You know how it goes. You haven't used your ice scraper in eight months, so where the heck is that thing? So you get in, you turn on the defrosters, you turn on your windshield wipers, and you start that search for that stupid, stupid ice scraper that you use maybe five times a year, but when, when it first gets cold, you don't know where that stupid thing is. So yeah, I forgot about that little aspect of cold weather. Like, Isn't it wonderful? That we get to sit in our cars and scrape ice and wait for it to melt for 15 minutes before we can actually go anywhere? Yeah, that's a ton of fun. So much fun. But, but, I'm trying, I'm trying to be more positive because it's getting cold and it's gonna be cold for another four, or five months, okay? So I'm trying to make the best of it. So I will say this. On Tuesday, on the day that it was really cold, I did come home that day and make some chili. And it was awesome. Okay, chili just hits different. It hits different when it's cold outside. And just in case, just in case, I've been seeing this all over the internet lately. It's been kind of contentious over on Twitter. Beans do not belong in chili, okay? Texas chili, the name chili is short for chili con carne, okay? Basically chili peppers with meat. And in that classic recipe, nobody ever said anything about beans, all right, so Texas chili, you put meat, you put either chilies or spices, and you put some kind of broth, maybe some peppers and onions if that's your thing. And by peppers, I mean spicy ones, not bell peppers. Those don't have any place in chili either. And if you add anything else to it, it's soup. Okay, you add beans to it, that's that's not Texas chili. And for goodness sake, do not, I repeat, do not. I, I'm getting upset. I'm getting upset. Do not put noodles in your chili. Okay, that's soup or stew or casserole. It's something else. That is not chili. You know, the other day when I was on Twitter, there was this poll going around. It had four pictures of four different types of chili. One of them basically looked like brown water with some beans and tomato chunks floating around in it. And the other three were noodles. Had noodles in it. And the question was, which one of these is true chili? And the answer was none of them. Okay, chili doesn't have beans, and it sure as heck doesn't have noodles. All right, so that's that's the extension of the rant from last week. We also went on a side rant about chili, but I feel a lot better getting that off my chest. And so now I talk to you about some Matt Carney music that came out last Friday. Let's talk about something that didn't come out last Friday. Not a Christian podcast. Okay, I explained it a little bit on social media, but I feel like I should probably address it briefly here. Last week, episode four was supposed to come out, and it did not. And let me just tell you, I do genuinely feel bad about that because I've, I've gotten a lot of good feedback on the show that it makes your Friday or your Saturday or weekend, whenever you choose to listen to it, that a lot of people really enjoy the show when it comes out. And I felt like when I didn't release it last week, I felt like I was letting some people down and and so there is some regret on my behalf but there there's also this knowledge and understanding on my behalf that that certain things take precedence and last week was a really Busy week with work. I won't get into all the details, but basically had some visitors in our BSM from El Paso, and really I was up Wednesday and Thursday from sun up to sundown. That's usually you know in the evenings or yeah in the evenings on those days is when I really work on the podcast. And I got done Thursday about nine o'clock. I get back to my apartment. And, you know, it's going to take over an hour to record the episode. And then it's going to take. it takes about two hours to edit when it's all said and done. And I knew I could have done it, but it wasn't going to be a good product because I also didn't have the time to put into it to think about, you know, what I was going to talk about. And last week was going to be an election special, actually. And I just didn't feel good about just kind of doing that off the cuff. I didn't feel like I was my I didn't feel like my heart was in it especially if I was gonna have to do it at the very last minute. So Thursday night, I made the decision that I just wouldn't release an episode last week. So thanks to everybody just for understanding that. I do this for free right now. Maybe someday there'll be you know some, some opportunities to make money off of this podcast, You know whether it just be a few dollars a month or get sponsorships or whichever. But for right now, this podcast is something I do on the side, not for money. So this podcast is something I do, not because I get something out of it, uh, but because I just think it's a fun thing to do. And I know you enjoy it as well. And I thank you for listening. But thank you also for understanding that sometimes just other things take precedence. Other things are more important. That's the nature of my job. You know, podcasting, while I love it, it's not my biggest passion in life. My career as a minister is my biggest passion in life. And when I, if I have to choose one or the other, I'm always going to choose that over the podcast. But the good news is that I've got a lot of good stuff planned for the future, and over Christmas break, there's going to be some some pre-recording going on and some pre-planning for the upcoming year. So if there is a situation where I do get behind, I'll have an episode kind of in my back pocket. I'm going to try to ep- uh, record a couple episodes in advance just so I'll have something so this kind of thing doesn't happen often. But thank you so much, once again, just for understanding, for being patient. Thank you for, for picking it back up here two weeks later since our last podcast. And one last thing I'd like to do as part of this intro is the giveaway. Because like I posted on social media that I wanted to make it up to you somehow, or at least try to make it up to you for not uploading last week. So I decided to do a giveaway. And I've kind of been teasing these on social media, but I actually ordered some Not A Christian Podcast stickers. There are logo, and they're pretty cool. I've got one on my laptop. I've got one on my Yeti coffee mug thinking about putting one on my truck I'm not sure though yet but anyways they're pretty cool I put out a post on three social media platforms that if you just liked or reacted or retweeted whatever whatever social media platform you were on you were going to get a chance to win one of these so what I'm going to do now is I've put all of those on a spreadsheet everybody who liked or reacted on Facebook everybody who liked on Instagram and everybody who retweeted on Twitter I put all of you on a spreadsheet, and I'm just gonna, I've am just i got a random number generator here on my phone, so right here on the show, I'm gonna go ahead and put in numbers one through 33, because that's how many people chose to participate in the giveaway, and I've got all your names with the corresponding number, and if you entered across multiple platforms, you have multiple chances to win, so if you engage on all three social media platforms, you have a three in 33 chance of winning, which is a one in 11 chance of winning, so here we go. The first number to win is number 27, which is my friend Nick Storm. So Nick, if you're listening, congratulations. Next number is number 22, which is my friend Nathan Mayhand. Okay, you're a winner of a Not A Christian Podcast sticker. And the third and final giveaway for now is... Number seven, my friend Nico Westerlink. So we got all in names. If your name started with an N, there's a pretty good chance that you won the giveaway. So, to my friends Nick, Nathan, and Nico, here's what I want you to do. If you're listening to the show, I want you to reach out to me on social media. Send me a text, send me a DM, whatever you want. I think it'd be better if you listened to the show and found out you won rather than me just DMing you right away. But if I don't hear from you in a few days, I'll send you a message. And I'll get your sticker to you in one way or another. So that was the giveaway from last week, but you have a chance if you keep listening to enter the giveaway for this week. I'll explain that a little more later on in the show. But for now, I'll give you a roadmap. We're gonna talk about, like I said, Halloween. So we're gonna be talking about Halloween memories, first of all. What did Halloween mean to me as a kid? And what does it mean now? Segment number two, we're gonna talk about is it okay for a Christian to celebrate Halloween? Because I know there's some controversy around that. And the third and final segment on today's show is going to be talking about the best and the worst Halloween candy. I'm going to go through and tell you what I think are the five best Halloween candies and what I think are the five worst Halloween candies. So you don't want to miss any of it. So let's get into the first segment. So our first segment is just talking about Halloween memories. What did it mean to me as a child and how is the meaning and the celebration and my thoughts about Halloween, how have they changed over these past few years ever since I've gone out of childhood into adulthood? So one of the first things I think of when I think of Halloween at at our house when I was a kid, I think about jack-o'-lanterns. I know we had this little book because you couldn't just get jack-o'-lantern designs off the internet back then. Because there was no such thing as the internet, so we had this book that had all kinds of designs. It had really intricate ones. It had really simple ones. And and when we were real little kids, me and my sister, we couldn't really carve our own pumpkins because we were you know four, five, six years old. Not really something we could do. So what we would do is we would go through this little booklet we had of all of these jack-o'-lantern designs, and we would pick the one we wanted. And our dad would go through and he would he would carve those and it seemed like we would pick out the ones we wanted and it seemed like he was over at the kitchen table he would set out the newspapers get out that pumpkin carving kit he would get to carving and it seems like it lasted for hours we were always just waiting in this anticipation of oh is our is our jack o lantern going to turn out correctly so my dad would just like sit over there like i said maybe it was as a kid we our perception was off but it seemed like he was over there like all night slaving away <laughs> over our jack-o'-lanterns and finally it was it would be like the big reveal he would take them outside and i remember the moment of the big reveal every year where we would take them outside it was after dark and we would uh, put the candle down inside of me and my sister would stand out there and we would see the carved jack-o'-lanterns but then when when my mom or dad would light the candle that was inside it was like the big moment of oh yeah this jack-o'-lantern is sick uh so so that was that's one of my halloween memories of just carving those jack-o'-lanterns and my dad over at the kitchen table just slaving away for what seems like hours another halloween memory and this one uh it's kind of funny because we have as a when i was a kid we had a, a mac computer and it was one of those that came out like in 98 99 the colored ones and if you have one of those you know what i'm talking about But I remember the box that it came in, and that was the box that we stored our Halloween stuff in. Uh, So every year, you know, we'd go down to the storage shed, get that Mac box out, and had all kinds of awesome stuff in it. And some of the things I remember that were in that box was the orange candy bowl had a bat in the bottom of it. And we would set that sucker out on the coffee table a couple weeks before Halloween, and we knew, oh, man, we knew that here pretty soon that thing was going to be full of sweet goodness that we're going to talk about a little later on the show, the best and worst Halloween candy. So that orange candy bowl with a bat in the bottom, always going to remember that. I remember we also had this scarecrow. It was one that we we made and we had like an old pair of pants, an old set of boots, an old button down shirt and we would stuff all that with newspaper and set it up on a hay bale. It had some work gloves that went on it too and we had this this skull, this plastic skull jack-o-lantern thing we would use it as its head and we'd put this brown hat on it and it would sit there and chill on our porch. And perhaps the thing I remember the most about the Mac Halloween box was this little ghost that we had. And this ghost was, was pretty small. I'd say it was about th- maybe the size of my head. And it was this plastic dome-shaped thing. And over it, you would put this like bandana, this white bandana type thing that had a ghost face on it and you would flip the switch on the bottom, and whenever you flip the switch on the bottom, it would turn on, but whenever you would clap, it would start making like this ghost noise. And we, we had this thing since the early 90s, and the thing I remember, you know, it kind of scared me a little bit, the ghost noise that it would make, and it would also kind of light up, and, and if I'm not mistaken, it would shake around too. And my parents still have it, and it's funny, I went and visited my parents, uh, it's beginning of October, and we hadn't decorated for Halloween in years, just because my sister and I, you know, we weren't kids anymore, and then when we moved out. But this year, I have a nephew, so it's my parents' first Halloween with a grandchild. So this year, my mom decided to get the the Mac box back out. We still have it in that box. And it was on the porch when I pulled up to my parents' house earlier this month, and I just looked at it and said, oh, the Halloween box. They're like, yep, that's the Halloween box. It's been years since I've seen it, but that's, that's always what it's associated with to me. So anyways, we have that ghost, still and it still works you still flip the switch and you clap and that thing starts making those ghost sounds Uh, and apparently it scares my nephew so so i'm glad to see that it's still doing its job and scaring generations of children in our family (laughs) so that's that's the halloween box that's what was in there and of course a big part of halloween as a kid is dressing up i do remember a few of my costumes i remember one year me and my sister dressed as matching pirates One year, I was Woody from Toy Story. I was Johnny Appleseed one year. One of my favorite costumes, when I was a child, I was pretty obsessed with Davy Crockett. Davy Crockett was, of course, the hero, or one of the heroes in the Texas Revolution, fought and died at the Battle of the Alamo. So I loved Davy Crockett because when I was a kid, I actually loved Texas history. And I still do have this kind of affinity for Texas history. But I remember I had this Davy Crockett movie where kind of at the end, and this, is I don't know if this is true or not, because most people didn't survive the Alamo. Uh, In fact, there were no Texan soldiers who survived the Alamo. But the legend is that Davy Crockett stood up like on this wall after he ran out of ammo and he just kind of used the butt of his rifle to pistol whip some dudes and kill them. And that's kind of leading me on a tangent here. I remember going to the Alamo as a kid because I loved Davy Crockett and I thought it was so cool. And I remember standing outside the Alamo and I'm like, you know what, I could very well be standing in the exact spot where Davy Crockett started swinging the butt of that rifle around, pistol whipping some guys, killing them, awesome. And then when I was an adult, I'm talking like three, four years ago, I find out that the Alamo that's in San Antonio isn't the original Alamo. It's basically like a reconstruction of the Alamo that was based somewhere else, somewhere not in downtown San Antonio. And I remember even as an adult, I was like, wait a minute! I wasn't. I didn't stand in the place where Davy Crockett pistol whipped those guys to death. Like that was disappointing. So even as an adult, I feel like I had a little piece of my childhood taken away from me. <laughs> uh, but anyways, that's that's enough of therapy for me. Uh, but I remember the best Halloween costume I ever had. Uh, it was actually I was the Tin Man from from the Wizard of Oz, and I remember my dad made. So we were never. We were never packaged or boxed Halloween costume people. We always kind of made our own at home, which was pretty fun, pretty cool. And so when I was the tin man, my dad made it completely from scratch. And I I think it was mostly made out of like poster board. Uh, So I had kind of the torso that went around my body, had the legs that were made out of poster board and all spray painted silver, had the silver face paint, had a funnel on my head that was spray painted silver. But the thing is, since it was such kind of a bulky costume, I couldn't really, <laughs> I couldn't really move that much. I could walk, but that was about it. I couldn't sit down. So when we went out trick or treating, my dad would have to lift me up. My mom had this uh, Isuzu rodeo, if you know what that is. It's a kind of car. It's kind of like this little hatchback SUV. So my dad would have to pick me up and lay me down in the very back, so we could go to the next place trick or treating. And when we showed up, my dad would get out and he would pick me back up out of the car put me down on the ground I would kind of saunter my way up to the next house and do my thing and then when when I was done just repeat the process so that was probably my favorite Halloween costume growing up and side note I I won I won the Halloween contest that year of course it was legit okay and then of course you get to that age I guess it's probably about like sixth grade once you get to junior high that it's not cool to dress up anymore and even in high school, you don't really care too much about Halloween. And then you get to college, and all of a sudden, it's kind of cool to dress up again. So I think it was my junior year of college before I finally dressed up again, and I went as a frat boy. So I had like the backwards hat. I had the crokey for my Ray-Ban sunglasses. I had the button-down fishing shirt, some shorts that were just a little bit too short, some Sperry shoes. Uh, so that was a pretty cool costume. And I think the best costume I did when I was in college was my last semester of college, I went as a hipster and uh, had like some some red pants, some buttoned down, this button down hipster shirt, put a beanie on my head, these fake tortoise shell glasses. And it looked legit. And I went to a Halloween party that our church was doing. And my friend Patrick was there. And he would go around, he would ask people like, hey, that guy over there, do you think he's an action? It was people that, you know, had never met me. He said, "Do you think that guy is an actual hipster or is that a hipster costume?" And and most of them said that he asked. They said, "Yeah, that guy's an actual hipster." So I think that's the best costume I ever did just because people didn't really know if it was a costume or not if they'd never met me. So that's kind of my history with Halloween costumes and and also as I've gotten older, there's been an added element that I love about Halloween and just this time of year in general. And that's scary movies. As a kid, I was somewhat, I was kind of sheltered. Not so much, you know, I went to public school, but I was, I didn't really know much about what was going on in the world. Uh, So I wasn't, I don't think I was allowed to watch scary movies as a kid, but I never really wanted to, never really asked to. But I'm sure if I had wanted to, my parents would have said, no, not yet, not now. But I do remember sometimes like, you know, seeing stuff on TV. If I was flipping through the channels, sometimes I would linger if it caught my interest. And I remember one of those things, one of those movies was Chucky because it was so weird for me as a kid, you know, when I was five, six years old, because it was this movie about this doll that was supposed to be cute. So it's like, oh, this is for kids. And then, of course, it turned evil and started murdering people. And it was it was kind of confusing for me. I remember uh, I don't think I ever watched a movie in its entirety because it scared me once Chucky went rogue <laughs> but it it that kind of that's kind of the first time I remember seeing scary at least a portion of a scary movie, and something else I remember was when I was a kid watching the original It movie, and once again I didn't watch the whole thing in its entirety. I don't really even remember how I found it, but I remember this scene where the kid is in the bathroom and he he hears something down the drain of his sink and and it's this voice calling out to him and he goes to check it out and all of a sudden this blood shoots up out of the out of the sink drain and oh my gosh as a kid that scared the crap out of me <laughs> I turned that off right away I felt I felt bad about seeing that because I was just like, oh my gosh, this is the most terrifying thing I've ever seen. And then I remember when I was in college, me and my friends, we would, we would watch scary movies. And I remember one day we decided, this was probably, I think it was my last semester of college, we decided to watch the original It. And like I said, I hadn't seen it since I was probably like seven, eight years old. And I saw that one scene, decided like, nope, no more for me. So in my head, I thought it was going to be this super, super scary movie. And then we watched it and it was just, it was laughable how bad it was, how lame it was. It was not scary at all. the It was like six hours of just bad, bad graphics. It was like, there were parts of the movie where the clown It was in claymation. It was just so bizarre. And it was the furthest thing from scary. So anyways, that's, that's something else that that I really got into when I was in college is when I was a kid, I didn't watch those scary movies. But I think, I think when I was about 18, maybe 17, I saw the movie Insidious, and that's when I really started to enjoy scary movies. And they still, they still kind of freaked me out a little bit, but there was something about it that I really, really liked. Some other of my scary movie memories... Uh, one time we were watching a movie when i was in college called annabelle we were watching it in theaters and you know you know in a scary movie when it's when the action's about to pick up there's there's the intense music and you can just kind of sense it but at that very moment this guy gets up out of his seat and he has i guess he's going to the bathroom or going to get more popcorn or something and when he gets to the edge of the he's going he's going to have to walk all the way across the theater in front of everybody so what he does i guess it's just to be courteous so he didn't block anybody's view is he took off running <laughs> and but of course that sudden movement there was this girl in the very front row kind of where he was passing in front of and she freaked out she started screaming because it was at this intense time of the this very tense time of the movie and it scared her pretty bad. And then, of course, everybody in the theater just lost it laughing. Um, so that's, that's one of my favorite scary movie memories. Something else I liked to do with my friends in college was we would play this game, especially like with slasher movies. If there were you know a bunch of characters that would go out to a cabin, spend the night, there were a bunch of characters that would mess with the Ouija board. And, of course, this evil spirit would come in. Something we liked to do was we played this game where we would guess who was going to die next. So we would type it in our phones who we thought was going to die. When the next person died, we would pause the movie. We'd say, okay, here's who I I thought it was going to be. And of course, if we got it right, we got a point. And if we got it wrong, we just didn't get the point. I remember the movie Year Next is one that we did that with. Some of my other favorite movies I saw uh, while I was in college, when I started really getting into scary movies, were Sinister, Cabin in the Woods, The Conjuring, The Purge, and then a little later on, movies called Get Out and Us. And the thing is, the point I'm trying to make is that I've watched so many scary movies that I'm kind of desensitized to them. And I've watched so many scary movies that it takes a lot to freak me out. And I was at a place in life when I thought there, there's no movie in this world that could bother me. And then this movie came out and it wrought my entire perception of what scary movies were and were supposed to be. And maybe you saw this, I think it came out in 2018, it was called Hereditary. And the thing about scary movies for me is that, like I said, I can't, I'm just almost desensitized to them, so I can't watch them in a theater or with a big group of people in order to get scared by them. The situation has to be right. I have to be by myself, preferably in a dark room, watching it alone with no interruptions to kind of really get into the movie and to kind of make myself feel something about the movie. So that's what I did with the movie Hereditary, but I was not expecting it to be nearly as scary as it was. And I'm not going to tell you anything about the movie, really, other than there wasn't just one moment of fear. It just threw out the whole thing is just so uncomfortable, so terrifying moments that I couldn't get out of my head for days. So like I said, this was just like less than two years ago, probably that I watched this movie. And I was at a place where I didn't think a movie could scare me or bother me, but Hereditary did. So, if you're like me and you love scary movies and you've never seen Hereditary, I would watch it. In fact, over these past couple weeks, in preparation for this podcast, I've been wanting to rewatch it. So, I kind of talk about it, but I've been putting it off because I'm just, it's just such an uncomfortable movie to watch. There's scary moments, but there's no jump scares. And there are moments that just make you feel so uncomfortable and so it just gets gives you this pit in your stomach so if you're a scary movie fan and you've never seen hereditary watch it but i will if you're don't show it to kids don't don't watch it do not watch it if movies really bother you because even as like a scary movie fiend a scary movie aficionado it did things to me (laughs) it it scared me it bothered me for several days after watching it and This kind of got me to thinking, why do I like scary movies? Because I know some people that hate them. Some people just get so terrified when watching scary movies, they find it more enjoyable just to avoid them altogether. And I did a little bit of internet research, some Google research, so forgive me to my grad school professors who might be listening to this. I I used Google for this because it's not anything academic. But there were a couple of things that kind of made sense to me of, of why... I liked scary movies. First of all, if you're a natural thrill seeker, you're going to be more inclined to watch scary movies. And I don't consider myself a thrill seeker in the fact that, you know, when I'm going down the highway, I don't drive 100 miles an hour just for the fun of it. I don't do reckless activities, but, you know, in a safe, controlled environment, I do enjoy, like, roller coasters, always enjoyed those you know, when I was a teenager, I haven't ridden one in a long time. I like heights. I like being up in high places, like on a mountain and, and looking down. I like hiking and camping alone, which aren't super high-risk activities, but there's something about it that makes you feel almost primal. And, and I get a thrill out of those things. So I think that could be part of it. It's, I, just like, I just like a good thrill, uh, whether that's on a physical level, like a roller coaster or hiking up a mountain, or on a more psychological level. Uh, like a scary movie. Also, empathy is tied to one's enjoyment of a scary movie. So if you have a lot of empathy for people, you're less likely to like scary movies. And uh, if you've ever taken a spiritual gift assessment, like mercy and empathy are part of that. And in every spiritual gift assessment I've ever taken, those things have scored really low for me. So it kind of makes sense that I like scary movies because it's I don't feel sorry for the main characters because I'm able to recognize like, hey, this is just a movie and this is for my enjoyment. So that that kind of helped me to make sense of why I enjoy scary movies. So my question to you is is do you have a favorite scary movie or do you even like scary movies? Do you hate them? Are you neutral towards them? Reach out to me and let me know. <laughs> Before we jump into our next segment, I'm going to go ahead and explain how this week's giveaway is going to work. So as I mentioned, my friends Nick, Nathan, and Nico all won this week's giveaway. I gave away three stickers, but this upcoming week, I'm going to give away four stickers. So here's what I want you to do. or On Thursday, October the 29th, I uploaded some pictures to Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and it was of the podcast logo. So what I want you to do is save that to your phone or screenshot it and crop it down to where it's just the logo. And then what I want you to do is post it on your social media of choice. And if you post it across Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, you'll be entered to win the giveaway three times. So I would suggest you do that. So I want you to upload the logo, not as a story on Instagram or Facebook, but as a post on Instagram, as a post on Facebook, or as a post on Twitter. So you're gonna post that picture of the Not a Christian Podcast logo. You're gonna tag if you're on Instagram or Twitter, tag at Not Christian Pod. Give us a follow too if you're not already doing that. Or if you're on Facebook, tag me personally, tag Kyle Krim. And what I want you to do is, as your caption, just tell people why you enjoy Not a Christian Podcast. This will be a really great way to get the name of Not A Christian Podcast out there to all your friends, all your uh, Instagram and Twitter followers. So if you do that, you're going to be entered for a chance to win a sticker in next week's episode. And I'm going to give you until Monday at 11.59 p.m. to do that because I'm not sure when I'm going to record the next episode. So it's better to do that earlier. Like I said, I'm giving away four stickers and it's going to be to your benefit if you do this right away because if you're listening, especially if this is Friday morning, go ahead and do that because the first person that uploads the the logo and tags at NotChristianPod, the first person to do that is going to win automatically, whether it's on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, whichever one comes in first. And as for the rest of you, if you don't get in first, I'm going to do just like I did this week, put your name on a spreadsheet. And draw in next week's episode. So be sure to take part in that. Be sure to help out Not a Christian Podcast by telling all your friends why you enjoy it and why you love to listen every Friday. For the next segment of Not a Christian Podcast, we're gonna talk about is it okay for a Christian to celebrate Halloween? And this is going to be a pretty short segment. I'm just going to leave you with something to think about. And just to let you know, I'm not going to give you a clear-cut yes or no answer. I can't do that, and I just don't really want to do that. So first of all, I want us to think about, let's not be legalistic about this. And by that, I mean, let's not impose our own views on Scripture. Let's not impose our own views on God. Because God, in the Bible, doesn't speak about Halloween. So don't speak for God where God has not spoken. And the temptation here is that if if your convictions lead you to not want to celebrate Halloween, you are more than welcome to do that. But don't treat others as though they were less spiritual than you if they do celebrate Halloween. Because when Jesus, in the book of Mark, and the book of Matthew, he quotes the prophet Isaiah. From Isaiah that says these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me in vain They worship me teaching as doctrines the commandments of men So what Jesus says is basically don't make up rules just to make yourself look good That's what the Pharisees did. God didn't speak about Halloween in the Bible obviously because Halloween wasn't a thing uh, in most of the time when the Bible was written so don't say that the Bible clearly or explicitly teaches against Halloween because it does not. And let's just, and let's also not say that just because it's not in the Bible doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. Things like birthdays and even celebrating Christmas are not in the Bible, but we do them anyways. Also, don't use the excuse that Halloween has pagan origins and roots to say that we shouldn't celebrate it. Because things like birthdays and Christmas have pagan roots. The days of the week and the months of the year are named after pagan gods, but they're no longer pagan. So the thing I want to invite you to think about in this episode is what does Halloween mean in our culture? Because yes, it did mean at one time there was a time when they would celebrate death or, or maybe conjure up evil spirits and demons, but is that what Halloween is in our culture? No, I don't think so. There's nothing inherently evil about a kid dressing up as a cowboy and going around to houses asking for candy. So what does Halloween mean in our culture? And this is something we have to ask of anything. I'm not going to go out and see like, oh, these people are trick-or-treating. These kids are out here in their costumes uh, gathering candy. I'm going to go conjure up a demon or I'm going to go use a Ouija board and try to bring in a ghost. And now if you are trying to do those things, don't do those things. Don't try to conjure up demons. Don't try to be in communication with ghosts because I believe I believe in demonic activity. I believe those things are very real um, and I believe that we can kind of encourage and invite those things in. But dressing up and going around collecting candy isn't gonna do those things. It's not gonna bring in a demon. It's not gonna conjure up some spirit. So we have to think about what does Halloween mean in the context of today? We aren't trying to do those things. We aren't trying to contact these evil spirits for the most part. That's not what Halloween means anymore. So, you know, Paul talks about meat sacrificed to idols. He's saying, look, if eating that meat causes your brother to stumble, then just don't do it around them. Ultimately, what what I don't want you to do is don't violate your conscience. Okay, if you have this conviction that even things like scary movies are immoral, And they're wrong and they're inviting evil spirits. I'm not going to make fun of you for that. I'm not going to bash you for that. I don't agree with you. But if that's your conviction, then just live to that conviction. Don't feel bad about that. If you're convicted to not celebrate Halloween, to be kind of countercultural in that because you fear that maybe celebrating Halloween would be some kind of invitation to some darker spiritual forces, just don't celebrate it. So I'm not saying that I have this closer relationship with Christ because I could celebrate Halloween and worship Christ at the same time, I don't want it to be that way. If you have the conviction to not do that, to not celebrate Halloween, to not watch scary movies or whichever, you don't have to, don't do it. Don't violate your conscience. And just as important on the other side, if you do wanna celebrate Halloween or you don't think there's anything wrong with it, don't make fun of people who don't like Halloween because of its origins. Also, don't damage your witness. You know, if you're gonna go out, don't dress sensually. Don't wear skimpy outfits. Don't go out to a Halloween party and get blackout drunk just because it's a holiday and that's what you do on holidays. Don't, you know, don't do those things. Don't damage your witness and use holiday as an excuse. Like I mentioned earlier, Paul talked about meat and food sacrificed to idols. He said that that food could be redeemed. He's saying there's nothing wrong with that food. If you go and get it in the marketplace, it's fine. Embrace the good part of that, the fact that it's food given to us by God, but reject the evil part and the fact that it was sacrificed to pagan gods. So if you want to celebrate Halloween, go ahead, embrace the good, embrace the fun, embrace the candy, the costumes, the good times, but reject the evil part of it. Reject the temptation to fall and to stumble into sin. For our third and final segment of the day, we're talking about Halloween candy. We're going to talk about the worst Halloween candy, and we're going to talk about the best Halloween candy. And now let's let's first talk about what constitutes Halloween candy. Some things that you get in your Halloween bucket aren't candy, like prepackaged popcorn balls. Not only are they not candy, but they're also garbage. Boxed raisins, you know you got them as a kid, so did I. They're not candy pennies toothbrushes and razor blades aren't candies either so while you hate to see those things in your halloween bucket they aren't going to make the list of best or worst halloween candies because they are not candy so let's start with the worst halloween candies what i'm doing in each category is i'm going to do a top five list but i've also got a few dishonorable mentions in the worst candies and a few honorable mentions in the best candies. so Talking about the worst candies, dishonorable mention. First, we've got Smarties. Okay, who really likes Smarties? They're little pills of chalk that kind of give you this weird feeling on your teeth when you eat them. It's just this weird powder. No one really enjoys that. Smarties, first dishonorable mention. Next dishonorable mention, pixie sticks. Okay, pixie sticks are not good. There's something about them when you're a child that you love because it's basically pouring powdered sugar down your throat. But when you when you grow up, you just realize it's it's not good. It's kind of disgusting. Next dishonorable mention is black licorice. And the reason why... Okay, I know this is gross. This is probably more gross than anything that made the, the bottom five on the worst list. But I don't really know anybody that eats black licorice. I've never really even... I've never got, I never got it for Halloween as a kid, so I'm not going to put it in the list, but just we're just going to acknowledge right here on the show, black licorice is disgusting. That's why it's a dishonorable mention. Next dishonorable mention is super bubble gum. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google super bubble and you'll know. The taste is initially good, but it lasts about four seconds when you chew it. Then after that, it's just like chewing on a piece of gum that you found under a dining table or something. Uh, That's why Superbubble, initially the taste is good, but it just doesn't last long, and after a while it gets kind of gross. That's why Superbubble is a dishonorable mention. And the final dishonorable mention is Sixlets. If you don't know what Sixlets are, is that they're phony M&Ms. They're these round things that have, it's the same concept as an M&M, but they're all around just lower quality. And on the packaging, it's got this stupid caterpillar that has these glasses on, and it's always smiling. And if you've ever had a six-lit, you know why they're garbage. They're not as good as M&M's. That's why they're a dishonorable mention. So we kind of blew through those, but that's so we have more time to discuss what's actually on the list. So top five worst candies. We're going to start at number five, which is the least bad, if that makes sense. And then we're going to go down to number one, which is unequivocally the worst Halloween candy in existence. So at number five, you probably don't know what these are, but they're called Peanut Butter Kisses. And they were something, that I didn't even know what they were called until this year. I was going through the candy aisle at Dollar General a couple weeks ago, and I saw these, and I remembered them from my childhood. So I remember that that candy bowl that I was telling you about earlier, that big orange candy bowl with the bat at the bottom. And I remember you know, Halloween, you go out and you get all your candy. And then you got the OGs like the Reese's and the Kit Kats and the M&M's, Those are gone in two days. So like by November 2nd, November 3rd, the good stuff, the best stuff is already gone. Then you got things like Skittles and Crunch Bars. They're not too bad. So next you eat those. They're gone by a week. November 7th, they are no more. So then you're down to the last chocolate. Things like Three Musketeers and Milky Way, which are kind of garbage, but chocolate is chocolate. Those are gone by November 10th. Then next, you eat the Smarties and you chew the flavorless gum because you're getting a little desperate, but by November 14th, those are gone too. Then you're down to the dum-dums and the butterscotch candies, but before you know it, by November 17th, those are out of your life too. And then November 20th, you have two things left. You have those boxes of raisins that you're never gonna eat and you have the peanut butter kisses. So the peanut butter kisses, Google them, if you don't know what I'm talking about. But as soon as you see the picture, you'll know. They're these little taffy-like candies that are wrapped individually in this orange and black unmarked paper. That's why nobody knows what they are. So when I saw them in preparation for this podcast, I knew I was going to be talking about the worst candies. I knew that I needed to do informed research. So I bought a bag for a dollar and I tasted them. And man, the nostalgia hit right away. It was kind of that three, four weeks after Halloween desperation for some good candy, but that's all that's left in the bowl. So as soon as I tasted it, I went straight back to being seven years old and having to make that decision between raisins and the peanut butter kisses. And the reason why the peanut butter kisses are at number five on the list is because there wasn't anything super offensive about their taste. They just taste like weak peanut butter. So imagine taking peanut butter, adding flour to it and letting it harden for like a week. And that's what I imagine these peanut butter kisses to taste like. That's why they're number five on the list. Moving on to number four on the list of worst Halloween candies, Tootsie Rolls. Okay, if there's a candy out there that's having an identity crisis, it's Tootsie Rolls. Because they're, they're a false chocolate is what they are. And we all know that the best candies, the best candies are made out of chocolate. So Tootsie Rolls give you this hope and then every time you eat one, I, I don't eat Tootsie Rolls much anymore, but every time I eat one, I'm just like, oh yeah, this is going to be good. It's like a brand recognition thing to where you just associate Tootsie Rolls with being good and then you eat it and you're just like, wait a minute, this is actually not good at all. You, you expect chocolate, but you get this weird, chewy, almost chocolate flavor. And let us not forget about flavored Tootsie Rolls because those are pretty bad too. Because the one thing that Tootsie Rolls had going for them was that they kind of tasted like chocolate but weren't. So they would disappoint you. So it's like in making these flavored Tootsie Rolls like lime and orange and lemon and vanilla, they took the only good thing about Tootsie Rolls and they just took that away. So the only redeemable quality is now gone. So Tootsie Rolls your garbage flavored tootsie rolls, your garbage too. You might even be worse, but I'm all I'm lumping them all together at number 4 on the list. Coming in at number 3 was a suggestion that I when I asked people on social media, "Hey, what was your, what's your favorite and your least favorite Halloween candy?" My friend Sydney said that her least favorite was banana laffy taffy, and I remember eating that as a kid and thinking this is gross. So if you have a candy that even a child doesn't like, you know you've got something really, really bad on your hands. And they also had those stupid jokes that were never funny on the package. I looked up a Laffy Taffy joke to prepare for this podcast just, the fun of, just for the fun of it, and here's what it was. It said, what kind of pen does a bull use to write? And the answer was a bullpen, which like a bullpen is a thing, but it, there's no there's no pun in there really yeah a bullpen that that has to do with baseball but the the setup to the punchline didn't have to do with baseball and a bullpen has nothing to do with right i don't know so laffy taffy just stop i don't like any laffy taffies any flavor but banana laffy taffy is really disgusting it's gross your jokes are terrible too banana laffy taffy you're going in the trash don't like it that brings us to number two on the list and this was a suggestion by my friend john And it was also, as I was doing some high-quality research for this podcast, Googling things like what are the best and worst Halloween candies, these candies kept on popping up as some of the worst in a lot of people's minds. But the thing is, I had never had them before. So once again, in order to be an informed podcaster and to bring you the cold, hard truth with no compromise, I had to go out and buy some for myself. So the number two candy on the list is Circus Peanuts. Not... They're not peanuts like in a shell that you eat the peanuts. It's like this candy. And I am so, so confused about this because it's an orange peanut about, you know, the size, about two inches long. And it's this orange peanut shaped thing. So you expect it to taste maybe citrusy, maybe peanut buttery. I don't know. But you bite into it and you taste bubble gum. So you expect it to be gum and you start chewing it and it dissolves in your mouth kind of like a marshmallow, but not as good. And then it turns into this weird banana flavor. And then once you eat it, it leaves this horrible aftertaste in your mouth. So everything about this candy was just bizarre. And I don't understand it at all. And it was gross above all things. So I don't know what's going on. You have this expectation of what it's going to be, what it's going to taste like. You bite it and you think it's, oh, it's gum. And then you start eating it and it's completely different. It's just weird and it's gross. Like I said, I'd never had these before like two days ago and I'm never gonna buy them again because they're that nasty. And that brings us to the worst Halloween candy in the history of Halloween. And my friends with this candy, just the thought of it is nauseating to me because I have this memory where I don't even know if it happened or not, but I'm pretty sure it did. It, this might be my earliest memory when I was a kid, I remember my grandmother gave us some of these, and I haven't told you what it is yet. And I remember eating them, and then I'm pretty sure I threw up in the hallway. <laughs> so, I'm and I'm pretty sure those were the same days. Like I said, it's all fuzzy, but this might be the very first memory I have, and this candy is those little wax bottles that you bite off the end and you drink that nasty, syrupy, snow cone-type juice out of them. And for some reason, you have the bottle that's made out of wax and they encourage you to chew on that. Not eat it because it's wax, but to chew on it. And like I said, just the mere thought of them. I haven't had those you know, since I was a very, very young child, really before I can remember anything. And like I said, it might be my earliest memory getting sick on these things because they were that disgusting like I said don't know if it happened but I'm pretty sure it did because it's that psychological thing where if you get sick on something you can't stand the thought of it or the sight of it or the smell of it anymore and now when I see those wax bottles I have no desire to taste them no desire to even look at them because just the sight and the thought of that syrupy nasty sweet juice and chewing on that nasty clear wax is just, like I said, it's nauseating. Want nothing to do with it. That is why the wax bottles in my book are the worst Halloween candy. And now we're going to end the episode on a lighter note. We're talking about the best Halloween candy of all time. And I'm going to throw out a little little caveat here, okay? So I decided when I'm doing this, I'm not going to include the, the really good candies. Like, you know, everybody knows that getting Reese's and Kit Kats and Snickers and Twix and Peanut M&M's, those, those were all the best candies growing up. And you love to see those in your Halloween bucket. But what I decided to do here on Not A Christian Podcast, we're all about the underdog. Okay, so while we know that those candies that I just mentioned are the best Halloween candies, I decided to go with some more obscure ones, some lesser-known candies, just so you can expand your, ke- your candy palette. Because if I come on here and I tell you, like, hey, Kit Kats are good, th- that's not going to change anybody's mind. That's not going to tell you anything you didn't already know. So what I decided to do is both in the countdown list and in the honorable mention list... I'm going to go with some lesser-known candies just to just to mix things up a little bit, maybe to recommend some candies that you've never had before, but you ought to get out there and try. So first, with our honorable mention, I'm going to go with Jolly Ranchers. Everybody knows what a Jolly Rancher is, and it's that perfect combination of, of sweet and a little bit sour, fruity, just a really, really solid candy. Nothing wrong with a Jolly Rancher, a candy that I enjoy still to this day. Next up on the honorable mention list, Sour Patch Kids. Sour Patch Kids are awesome. Like I said, they're sweet, they're sour, they're fruity, they have a really good taste. There's nothing to dislike about a good Sour Patch Kid. Always love to see those in my Halloween bucket as a kid. Next up on the honorable mention list, this one is a classic, very simple, those caramel cubes. And yes, I'm kind of a redneck a little bit at heart, so I say caramel, not caramel. But they're just like these cubes of caramel that you eat by themselves, and they're delicious. Something else you may have used them for is for caramel apples. Uh, We would always unpackage them, put them in a pot, dip the apples in them. Uh, But just eating those cubes by themselves, always, always good to see those in your Halloween bucket and in that big orange bowl with a bat in it. Next up on the honorable mention list, Caramel Apple Pops. Okay, I'm not a big sucker guy, but these are really good. They're just a green apple flavored sucker with like this layer of caramel around them. So you're getting like that sour and you're getting that sweet of the caramel. They're really good. Even as an adult, I enjoy those things. Next up on the honorable mention list is one that my friend John recommended to me that I'd completely forgotten about. But they're these root beer candies that are shaped like a like a barrel. And those are really good. They're just these hard candies that, you know, dissolve in your mouth. Uh, So if you like root beer, you'll like those. Super underrated. Haven't had one in years, but I'm going to be on the lookout for them over these next few days. And finally, on the honorable mission list, this is one of those that kind of falls into that category I was talking about earlier of like the classic candies that aren't just for Halloween. But it gets a lot of hate. Almond Joy. Okay, there's nothing. If you don't like Coconut, I understand, but if you if you're okay with coconut, there's nothing to dislike about a good almond joy. Okay, it's simple. It's coconut covered in chocolate with an almond on top. It's delicious. There's nothing bad about that. That's why it rounds out our honorable mention today. And that brings us to the list. Dare I declare this list inerrant, as I have in the past. Infallible as I have in the past. Not open to debate or discussion, but these candies are unequivocally the top five Halloween candies you could possibly find in your Halloween bucket. And like I said, these are some of the less popular candies, maybe the more unknown ones, but if you've never had any of these, get out and try them because they're good. Number five is dots. So you may recognize dots. They come in a little yellow box, and there's about five or six of them in a little box, and they're basically gumdrops, and they're really good. And what I found out after doing a little research, is that they're not just the classic flavors anymore. So you've got lime, orange, lemon, cherry, but they make all kinds of flavors. They make sour dots that I'm going to be keeping my eye out for. And they're just so simple yet so good, and they're very underrated. I know a lot of times when people are digging through that candy bucket, that candy bowl, they tend to go over the dots, but I go straight for the dots because I love dots. Next up on the list, we're sticking with kind of a fruity type of candy. So number four on the list is Red Vines. This is the far, far superior cousin to Twizzlers. It's basically the same thing, kind of this red, sweet licorice, but it's better than a Twizzler. And it's kind of I feel like licorice is way of saying sorry about black licorice. We know that's disgusting. But we've got red licorice that's pretty good. And that's what red vines are. I am a red vine man, okay? Twizzlers, I can take them or leave them, but red vines are awesome. They're really, really chewy. They've got kind of a bitter taste. So if you don't like bitter things, maybe avoid the red vines. But if you like to drink black coffee like I do and you like bitter things to match your personality, kind of like me, go ahead and try out a Red Vine. They're number four on the list of best Halloween candies. Coming in at number three on the list of best Halloween candies, this is a classic from my childhood called a Chico Stick. And if you're not familiar with a Chico Stick, it's this mix of peanut butter and coconut, which are two of my absolute favorite things. So it's basically this log of peanut butter surrounded by this hard candy with like this dusting of coconut flakes on them and they are so so good uh, they're crunchy they got that soft middle they take me right back to my childhood so chico sticks delicious if you've never had one give it a try number two on the list here's we're getting into some ogs here number two and number one i went back and forth on but this candy settled in at number two and they are fantastic you may not know what I'm talking about, but I'm sure if you Google it, you'll remember what they are. Maybe you love it. Maybe you hate it. But it's called Atkinson's Crunchy Peanut Butter Bars. And they're these white, crunchy bars. It's kind of like the inside of a Butterfinger without the chocolate on there. Um, and it's got like this white color on the outside. And the packaging, they're individually packaged. That It's clear packaged with these brown stripes and this gold star that says Atkinson's on there. And I remember these were the candies that my great-grandparents had. My Nima and Granddaddy King would always have on Halloween. So once we had gathered all our spoils from the neighborhoods of, of Comanche, Texas, we would go over there and they would have a bunch of candy for us, including these crunchy peanut butter bars. So when I think about these, when I taste them, it's been a while since I've had one, but they take me right back to my great-grandparents' house. And they had one of those, like, wooden couch things. Like I don't know if... If your grandparents grew, up, if you grew up and had grandparents with a wooden couch with the wooden uh, legs and the wooden armrests and those weird felt-like cushions, you know what I'm talking about. So I think about when I was a kid going over there for Halloween, laying down on the couch, banging my head on that wood, <laughs> that wood armrest, and eating crunchy peanut butter bars. All really good, solid memories. So there's a certain nostalgia that's tied to these crunchy peanut butter bars that when I eat them, I just think back to being a kid, being at my mom and Granddaddy King's house, enjoying some Halloween. <laughs> so that, my friends, brings us to the number one Halloween candy on the list. And I know all of you have been waiting to hear this one. <laughs> you expected it to be on the worst, but my friends, I'm telling you, it is the best Halloween candy out there. I'm sure most of you already know what I'm talking about. My friends, the number one Halloween candy, according to Not A Christian Podcast's inerrant infallible list that is not open for debate or discussion, you guessed it, (laughs) it's candy corn. In fact, guess what I have right here in front of me right now? Some candy corn, and I'm going to eat it right in front of you, just so you know how much I love it. Y'all... Candy corn is good, okay? I don't care. You all love to hate it. When I posed that question online, you all said, candy corn is disgusting. Candy corn is the worst. You don't know anything about anything, so just stop. Candy corn is delicious, okay? It's it's super sweet. It's chewy. And some of you said you don't like the texture of it. Well, guess what? You should have gotten over texture issues when you were eight years old, okay? That's not a good excuse, Candy corn is so much fun. It's super seasonal. When I think about fall, when I think about Halloween, I think about candy corn. In fact, this bag I'm eating right now, this is my third bag of the season. I go through about a bag of this stuff a week because it's super cheap. It's like two bucks for this pretty good size bag at Dollar General. It's delicious, and it's so much fun. I remember as a kid, you take these things, and you put them up in your top lift. You have them poke out boom, you got instant fangs. You break off either the white tip or the little yellow part like I'm doing right here, and you can't see it because this is a podcast, but you you, you put that little white tip in your mouth and you, you go up to your friends and you spit it out. You're like, oh, I lost a tooth. Or if, or if you have that big yellow piece on the end, you spit that out like, oh, I lost a big molar that's very yellow. And so not only is candy corn delicious, it's also a ton of fun when you're a kid. Convincing all your friends that your teeth are falling out, I and mean, I'm eating it right here. I can't. I'm sorry if you don't like the sound of me chewing, but candy corn is so good. It cops way too much hate on the internet, uh, in real life, and the thing is, hating candy corn is the cool thing to do. And I get that. So right here on Not a Christian podcast, I'm coming out saying it's delicious. It's good. It's sweet like my friend Kelsey pointed out on social media it's basically like eating icing and who doesn't like icing candy corn the best halloween candy in existence there's nothing you can do to change my mind it is delicious all right so maybe you like that list maybe you maybe my maybe your perception of me is irreparably damaged because i've i've come out and said hey i'm a candy corn supporter this is who i am you can accept it You can choose to continue to love me or you can choose to reject me and to stop listening to Not A Christian Podcast. If you do that, it's going to make me very sad, but I know it was worth it, okay? Because candy corn does not deserve this. Candy corn doesn't deserve the hate that you give it. So if you're a candy corn hater, I just invite you, find some candy corn this Halloween, this fall season, give it a try, and I think you're going to love it. I think if you just rid yourself of all the hate in your heart, you can come around and love candy corn just like I do. So that's what I've got for you today. Hope you enjoyed the show. Remember to enter the giveaway. Save the picture or screenshot the picture of the Not a Christian Podcast logo on whatever social media you're connected on. Tweet it out as a tweet, tag Not Christian Pod. Post it on Instagram as a post, tag Not Christian Pod. Or t- post it on Facebook as a post and tag my personal account, Kyle Krim, if you're friends with me, and you will be entered to win. And remember, if you're listening to this on Friday morning, and if you're the very first person to do it, you're going to automatically win one of our Not A Christian Podcast stickers. Super excited about this giveaway. And after this, I'm going to maybe give away a few more each and every week. But I'll also have Not Christian Podcast stickers available to sell if you're interested in buying one. They look really, really good. But like I said, for now, that's all I've got. Thank you so much for listening. Next time, I'll try to do just a little bit better. Later.